So the presentation of the gospel is, will you have Christ? Do you mm. want mm. Christ? Mm. Do you want him to take away your sins? And now already we're starting to talk about blessings already. Mm. Right. But you, it must, you must first have Christ before you partake of those blessings. Okay, it's a word of grace. Hi, Derek. How are you doing, Pastor? Good. Uh, we um, have a beautiful day today. Yes, we do. A little chilly. It's chilly, but it's nice. It's not raining. It's not snowing. Yeah, well, it was <laughs> earlier, though. Uh, the um, The project for me now at the house uh, is I've been asked to build a tree house in the backyard. Yeah, I didn't know that you were good at that type I'm of not, thing. I'm not good at that type of thing. That's <laughs> well, the be sure to invite me over when you're done, because okay. I'd like to see well, it. Well, you and Jessica can go up there and play. Uh, no, she, she's she been asking for a treehouse, so I'm going to be looking into plans and stuff, and hopefully hopefully it'll survive the the uh, poor building skills that mm-hmm. I have. Um, we, uh, this is Friday. Uh, this is Friday's episode of A Word of Grace. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about uh, the whole Christ. Um, probably the deepest book we've read so far. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. But uh, even though it's deep, there's principles here for our, for our listeners, for yes. people who are checking in and uh, really answering some questions that are, uh, I would say, that, are, that people throughout Christian history have asked. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the chapters... Uh, that we're going to cover today um, proved to be pretty convicting to me, uh, the idea of um, having a legalistic spirit or uh, how to present the gospel appropriately and mm-hmm. properly. I mean, have you mm-hmm. have you sensed it to be relevant to you? Or? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, I have to be careful because uh, when I do find myself doing something wrong or thinking something wrong, then... Uh, I find myself either uh, having that trace of legalism there or I can flip the coin there and have a little of antinomianism there Mm -hmm. uh, to where I didn't give it that much thought prior to reading this book. Hmm. Well, we're going to talk about the, in in today's lesson, talk about grace and the gospel. Um, Again, we have these two warring sides back in the 1700s, the Presbyterian Council and the people who were known as the Marrow Men. The Marrow Men were concerned about stressing God's grace because this is the way that he presented himself in the scripture. Um, so they were asked, these Marrow Men were asked by the assembly, uh, basically this question, and so why don't we begin with this? Okay. What is it that you say when you call people to Christ? And, and maybe this is even the better question, the second question. On what grounds are, in, are people entitled to come to Christ? On what grounds are people entitled to come to Christ? They're, uh, well, I would say they're only entitled to come to Christ because the Lord has given the invitation and that you receive it by faith. But apart from that, uh, I don't think that there are any grounds to come to Christ. Is it appropriate then for anybody... Uh, like people who are listening to this right now, is it appropriate for them to go to anyone that they know 
and offer them Christ and the gospel? Yes, because the gospel is to be preached to everyone. Okay. Is there any thing that must be true in that person's life before they are offered the gospel? Does this person, again, I'm talking to the person who's listening, who has a, a co-worker or a relative, do they have to sense something within that person prior to giving them the gospel? No, because we don't have the capacity to, to uh, know a person's thoughts or know the condition of that person's heart. Uh, so our responsibility is simply to provide the gospel to them. Are you saying that you agree with this statement, then, that uh, there is no exception to anyone in the world to be offered the gospel? In other I guess I asked that question right. Is the gospel to be offered to everyone, everywhere, without any exception? Absolutely. Uh, there is warrant for that, that we should give the gospel to every man on the planet. Okay, when I was going through that, Derek, and I totally agree, I couldn't even believe this was a question. Right. Okay? Right. And I think the reason we were flummoxed, is that the right mm -hmm. word? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, it means to be, like, uh, confused or perplexed okay. or whatever. It just sounds better, doesn't right. it? <laughs> I, I don't know why that word came into mind. <laughs> I think we were flummoxed because we were both sensing that what was being argued was when you do give that gospel to all people everywhere without exception, do you ask those people to repent? Mm -hmm. and, and we all our lives would have said yes, yes right? right? But the clarifying statement is that person doesn't have to be in the act of repenting already no. before he or she gets the gospel presentation. And, and that's absolutely correct. Uh, the reason being, uh, or did you want to go this way? Oh, go ahead. Oh, ask, I have another question okay. for you, but okay, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You first. Uh, I would just say that a person prior to uh, exercising faith prior to being uh, regenerated by God, doesn't even have the capacity to repent, has no desire to repent, yeah. and the Lord has to grant him repentance. Yeah. If people hang on for just a second through some of these deeper, more foundational questions, I think in the lessons to come, there's going to be kind of an eye-opening presentation from the Scripture that at least helped me with this. Let me ask you this other theological, theoretical question. Can you tell every person you meet, Christ died for you? Wow, that's uh, that was one that I kind of struggled with. So um, The way they worded okay. it while you think about it, yeah. and I, I know you've already thought about it because mm -hmm. it's in the book and you've probably thought about that question previously, that the assembly uh, thought that that was universalism. Mm -hmm. um, they worded it this way, uh, and, and the Merrow brothers who are on the other side would say that they would go and tell every man that Christ is dead for him. Right. It's just a different way of putting mm -hmm. it. Okay, yeah. And and now having an opportunity to think about it a little bit, uh, they wanted to stay away from saying Christ died for you, I think partially because of the argument of whether it was universal atonement or particular or limited atonement. Mm -hmm. Am, do you agree with that? Yeah, I... I yeah, I right because I guess the I don't want to get so deep because it's just it's just a non-answerable question. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, "Well, Christ died for you. If you received him, then it proves he mm -hmm. died for you." But right. in the presentation of the gospel, 
can you say to people, listen, friend, Jesus died for you. Can you mm-hmm. say that to a person? <laughs> Again, I, I, I sort of struggle with it a little bit. Okay. Um, Is that too personal in present, presenting the gospel? Because for me, I don't have a problem saying that. I don't have mm-hmm. a problem saying either from the pulpit or, or in a day-to-day conversation, listen, friend, Jesus died for your sins. Right. Because in my, in, my, yeah. in my theology, what I'm saying is Christ is able to save you. Okay. Yeah. Now, to me, I would say that Christ is able to save you. And I'm not saying that it would be difficult really for me to say that uh, Christ died for you. It's just something that I have had to toss back and forth in my mind only because I've read this book. But see, I, I know you well enough to think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh-huh. let's uh, let's get into the mind of Derek okay, Gillespie here for a minute. Let's do that. All right, let me get into my <laughs> psychiatric voice here. Um, I think I know you well enough to know that in in sharing the gospel, you would present it in such a way that said, "Listen, here's the gospel. You are right. a sinner, and Christ died for you." Yes, I think I, I, I think I'd, you'd say I'd that. agree with that. Yeah. Yes, and it doesn't mess with our theology right. to say that mm-hmm. because if that person comes to Christ. Right. You know, you're right. I, I'd agree with that. I guess the, the whole point of that little six-minute conversation is this, that we should proclaim Jesus to all people as having the ability to save them. Right. Right? Right. Like, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't wanna muddle up the gospel so much. There is, a, there is a fullness of grace that is able to save everyone who comes to Jesus. Yes. And this grace is free. Mm-hmm. Full and free. I mean, right. there's songs written about those words. Um, and so... Going back to that Octorarder Creed, Thomas Boston would have said that it is not okay, it is not within Orthodox teaching to say that you must first quit your sin and then be qualified right. to right. receive Jesus. Mm-hmm. So far we're on the same page oh, with that? absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. So who is the offer of the gospel made to? It's, it's offered to all men. It's everywhere not, all right, the time. Right. It's not offered to the repentant ones. Right. It's offered to all people. In other words, the request that we're making of someone to exercise faith in Jesus, that offer, that free and full offer of the gospel has no qualifications or no. conditions placed no. on it. No man could qualify. And and that's that's the encouragement of the presentation of the gospel. And mm-hmm. like, I know, I know we have friends and people we know who have people in their own homes who are not just resistant to the gospel, but hard to the gospel. Right. They still have, should have the opportunity of having the gospel presented yes, to them. Yes, they should. In other words, a spouse or a parent or a friend mm-hmm. doesn't have to wait until that person shows some signs right. of desiring to repent, to be have the gospel presented to them. I yeah. think that's, that's an encouragement, isn't it? Yeah, my question uh, to the individual that would wait is, at what point would you be sure that that person is ready? Yeah. You know, uh, how would you determine that that person is ready to repent? 
but haven't you even heard this from people? And I heard it within the last few months from someone who, um, who has uh, a, a wayward adult child. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this person isn't affiliated with our church, but is outside of our church. And when I say wayward, real wayward, right? Mm-hmm. No desire mm-hmm. for Christ. Mm-hmm. And their strategy for uh, their strategy, as explained to me, was love them and kind of wait for an opening, wait for an opening to present the gospel. And what I understood to be the opening was a softness to the gospel or a like some sort of sign in them right. that they were getting ready to receive it. What would you say to that type of strategy? Uh, I would say that it's a very dangerous strategy because the next, our next breath is not guaranteed, us, mm-hmm. for one thing. So you can't determine how long that person's even going to be here. Uh, and, and Paul talked about the fact that, uh, uh, behold, now is the accepted uh, or the uh, time of favor. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The time to witness or to testify to someone or to share the gospel with someone is when you're in their presence. You're not waiting around to make sure the field is just right before you right. plant the seed. Right. And it, if, if you're living with the person, it does make it difficult because you're, you're probably not going to badger that person every day with the gospel. But the opposite is true. You, you should not wait. No until you see signs in that person. And that's what's being argued Mm -hmm. here by this Mm -hmm. council. They were saying that you present the gospel when a person appears to be already acting Mm -hmm. like, but they can't until they hear the gospel. That's That's the point. Let me make, uh, let's move on to a different subject that's presented in this particular passage. And I think this is, this is something that is important for me to learn. Um, the idea of, speak to this for just a minute, the, the idea is presented that we can often offer the gospel and its benefits separate from Christ. Mm. Did you catch that part? I did catch okay. that. What, what are your thoughts and, there? Uh, I disagree with that because the you can't, I, I like the word that they continued to use was that you could not, uh, oh wow, now I've forgotten the word. Separate uh, or separate, abs- uh, abstract. Abstract. Abstract the word, and it just simply meant separate. You can't separate the gift from the giver. Uh, and to uh, separate uh, those benefits of salvation from Christ, you no longer have genuine salvation because these benefits are wrapped up in the person of Christ. See, and I think this is of supreme importance. So we've been talking for 14 and a half minutes, and maybe people are like uh, a little bit uh, tuned out because of the depth of the theological. I mean, these are some deep things, but this really isn't. And and even a few minutes before when we are talking about giving the gospel to all people regardless of qualification is, is very important. But I think this is really important that you, it is possible, and, and I probably have done this, to proclaim what the gospel offers mm-hmm. without even proclaiming Christ, or, right. or in a sense, proclaiming the benefits of the gospel and the blessings of the gospel that Christ has achieved without 
promoting Christ himself. Right. It, it's as though the benefits save you. Yeah. <laughs> In reality, they, they do not. Christ saves you, and the benefits are byproducts of his work. What would you say in our day is the biggest demonstration of that type of gospel presentation? Well, in modern theology, excuse me, not modern theology, but in modern evangelism, very often you hear people say, do you want to go to heaven, first of all? Or Christ has a, a great plan for your life. It's as though they're offering, it's almost as though they're baiting an individual to be saved. Well, who's going to deny or, or, or uh, reject something that's good? You know, as far as I'm going to, uh, you can go to heaven if you accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, of course, anyone would say, I'll take heaven and I'll take the benefits he gives. But now turn that around and say, but will you accept the one who is giving those gifts? And then there's a different thing entirely. The... I don't know if I'm making any sense, but... Uh, no, yeah. you, you said exactly what was in my mind, that the, the modern day, probably from the 40s on, the modern way to begin evangelism is to say, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Mm-hmm. Do you, don't right. you want to go to heaven when you die? Or you don't want to go to hell when you die? When that type of gospel presentation is virtually absent from the scriptures, mm, it is. The, the, the presentation of salvation in the scriptures is is a invitation to uh, to receive Christ right. and to be in union with, right. Christ. with Christ and then uh, because because the phrase in Christ in the scriptures is is really what is the description of a believer right. he is in Christ right. and as a result of being in Christ mm-hmm then those benefits come. But I think we have a generation of people and of Christians who embrace those benefits more than they even embrace yes, they the do. one who offers those yes, benefits. Do. So yes, the, the heart of our presentation, and this is why the book is called The Whole Christ. It's the Latin phrase, totus Christus. I'm probably not mm-hmm. even saying that mm-hmm. right. Then that in, The indication is that the blessings that Christ provides cannot be applied apart from receiving him. That's right. That's right. So the presentation of the gospel is will you have Christ? Do mm. you want mm. Christ? Mm. Do you want him to take away your sins? And now we're, already start, we're starting to talk about blessings mm-hmm. already, right? but you, it must, you must first have Christ before you partake of those blessings. Salvation is ours in Christ, not just through Christ. Right. Um, I don't know if that, again, we're, maybe, maybe we're not making sense, but... The offer of salvation, I guess we could summarize the chapter this way, is on the basis of God's grace and is to be given to all people regardless of whether they show signs of being ready to receive Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But the focus of the gospel presentation must be on Christ, not just his blessings. Well, and that's what this book is all about, the the whole Christ. Yeah. Uh, If you divorce Christ from the salvation process, then you don't have salvation. Right, right. Here's, here's what modern-day evangelism has produced, and this I appreciated this part of the book, where a preacher is pre- preparing the gospel and saying, now how can I offer these benefits to people? Mm. Rather than saying, 
How can I exalt Christ? How can mm. I preach Christ, present Christ? And the hearer, when hearing that, how can I get these benefits? How can I get this stuff? <laughs> yes. Instead of saying, mm-hmm. how can I mm-hmm. get Christ? Um, so the focus must be central on Christ, a stress on, a stress on his work, not our experience. Our preaching and our presentation of the gospel must be full of Christ himself. And I think, I think the idea of uh, lordship salvation plays a part in that. Like, I want to I receive Christ as my Savior, right. and then later, we kind of right. have this multiple-stage right. Christianity, mm-hmm. Christianity, later I'll receive him as my Lord. Well, uh-huh. no, you're receiving Jesus, and he is Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? that, that, that does not even go according to Scripture. Uh, to think that you can accept him as Savior, basically as fire insurance, mm-hmm. but not bow to his lordship. Uh, if he's not your your master and lord, he is not your Savior either. Yeah. I think he's going to expand on this later, and, and this may be why people struggle with assurance, because they have focused more on what the gospel gives them mm-hmm. rather than on Christ himself. Amen. And I know yeah. I've been guilty of that. I mm-hmm. probably have been guilty of that. Even in my own thinking and preaching. I I can honestly say I've I've not been guilty of saying, well, I'm only going to present the gospel to people who show no. that they're ready for it. Mm-hmm. And I almost can't believe that's even a debate. I, I don't know what these Presbyterian mm-hmm. council members were thinking. Um, you must have had X-ray vision, uh, you know, where they could look at the heart and say, "Well, this guy is ready." Or, or they expected <laughs> they expected people to show repentance mm-hmm. when you can only show repentance if the Spirit has convicted That's you right. and worked in you, and and so then there, then okay, you've shown repentance, and now we can give you the gospel. I, I just, mm. It just doesn't make much sense to me. In any case. We've covered this today, and we'll move on to something um, next Monday. But again, the heart of this is preach the gospel to every creature, regardless of their heart's demeanor or what they're demonstrating outwardly, but also exalt Christ. Exalt Christ in your presentation. That's what Christ has told us to do. All right. Derek, always good to talk to you. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to everybody, Lord willing, on Monday. Thanks for joining us here on A Word of Grace. If we can be an encouragement to you, uh, please let us know. Reach out, uh, text, or email us. All that stuff's in the description below. Hope you have a great Lord's Day this Sunday, and again, we'll talk to you on Monday.